0: four we're going through this book what you believe is how you live your life It's really important because if you believe wrong you will live wrong. that's just the way it works And so what we find in this particular chapter and it's one of those great chapters in the Bible because we find Jesus and by the way this is the longest, interpersonal conversation with an individual in the Bible. It's its kind of interesting. 30 verses are just about, well, not quite, about 20, uh, 26. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, we ask you that your Holy Spirit would anoint these words and that you would remind every one of us to be more like you. And so as we come in contact with people of this world that don't know you, May you cause a sensitivity to be in our lives that it isn't about us, it's about you and how you can meet people's needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 4 of John. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to the Galilee. Now, this goes back to verse 25 of the preceding chapter. It says there arose a dispute among some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now, now, real quick, just to explain this so you, you kind of get that why Jesus left. When you became a follower of Yahweh in the Old Testament, you would renounce your pagan deity, you would embrace Yahweh, and you would take a ceremonial washing. Pretty simple. What made John the Baptist's ministry so unique is he went to the Jewish nation who supposedly had arrived and said, you Jewish nation, you need to take a ceremonial washing. Well, that changed everything. And so the Pharisees, who were the leaders of the day, they came to John and they were disputing about this purification, and that are we purified really because of our heritage, or are we purified because of some relationship that we have with God? Well, of course, we realize that they thought that because our father Abraham, they automatically had salvation. Well, John came and said, no, you need to be baptized. You need to be and have a ceremonial washing as well. So anyway, Jesus seeing this, realizing that there was a dispute with John's disciples as he was growing. Now more people were coming to Jesus and Jesus saw a confrontation coming and he left. Friends, sometimes that's wise in our personal lives. Whether sometimes it's in a business, and we've always, whenever we've gone through the Bible, we've always tried to take and apply even the things that we learn, not only in our personal life, our spiritual life, but also in our business life. You know, there's a lot of reasons why some businesses are successful and some aren't. Well, one of the things that we look at here, Jesus saw a confrontation coming. They were chiding, the Pharisees, the religious order of the day, were chiding with John's disciples. Jesus, now getting bigger than John, knew it was coming down the pipe. Jesus leaves town. So it tells us, verse 4, But he needed to go through Samaria. Now, Samaria was kind of an off-limits area for the Jewish people. The reason why, if you went back uh, to the Assyrian Empire, what they would do as they would conquer a land and the ten northern tribes of Israel were conquered, they would take and relocate everybody. Intermarriages would happen. The country spirit was broken. And so therefore the people who lived in the land of Samaria, north of Jerusalem, were considered half-breeds. They had intermarried with the Gentiles. The, The pure lineage of the family of Abraham was lost. And so the Jewish people abhorred them. They felt that they were unclean. Talk about prejudice. That's what this was all about. You didn't... In fact, it was so bad that if you... Being a Jewish person would walk down the street. The wind would catch your robe and your robe would flip open. And you would touch a Samaritan or a Gentile. You would have to go to the temple and ask for forgiveness. That's pretty bad. Well, anyway, notice it says here, verse 4, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Out of the way, but why? Why? Well, as we read these next verses, we'll see why. So we came to the, uh, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now you have to remember the land of Samaria before the Assyrian Empire conquered Israel because of their ungodliness, it was all one nation. And so Joseph, <clears throat> Jacob, their rich history was there. But because, again, the people had all intermarried, nobody had anything to do with them. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about noon. The sixth hour is what we commonly know as noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. This Blew everybody's minds. Now, no doubt, Jesus' disciples were probably with Him. They may not have been sitting right next to Him, but we know that Jesus retreated and went away from Jerusalem. And so, it says, Jesus said to this Samaritan woman, Give me a drink. By the way, this woman is an unknown name. We don't know who she was. I, I, whenever I find unknown, or maybe I should say unnamed things in the Bible... Sometimes that has a greater impact than we think. We remember that when Abraham told his servant, I don't want my son to marry one of these pagan women. So you go back to the land of my fathers, and you go and find my son a wife. And we remember the unnamed servant went to find his son a wife. By the way, invisible Holy Spirit, out in this world today, looking for Jesus Christ, his wife as well. So we understand this unnamed servant, we find we find the Holy Spirit in the world today. Well, notice it says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So we know that they weren't there directly with Jesus, but we know that they were with Jesus and they had gone to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, Whoa, how is it that you, being a Jew, asked a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I mean, this woman was very much aware of the prejudice that existed. Now, a couple of things here that we'll find as we read on here. The story gets even more in depth. As we look and see, notice, Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given to you living water. And the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. And where are you going to get this living water? It's funny that Jesus is playing with words. Now, this is something that is a wise way of communicating the gospel to people. If you're a Christian here this morning, part of the reason why we're all still here when we accept Christ as Savior, we're not all instantly transported into heaven, which some days I would really like that. But the reason we're all still here is to be salt and light in a world that doesn't know him. And so what we do then is we take things that are common in the world and bring a spiritual application to them. This woman came to get water. Jesus said, if you know who was asking you for a drink of water, you would have asked him and he'd given you living water. A couple of things here pretty amazing. They came to Jesus one time, and they said, Jesus, the Pharisees, of course, the religious leaders of the day, and probably today the same problem as the religious leaders of today are causing the same problems, But so we want to be sure we're not like them. In fact, that's one of the reasons we all moved into here was to kind of break away from sometimes that that formality that comes when we try to seek God, and we do the three songs we do, and not to be different for the sake of being different, but saying, Lord, this is your church. God, we're all your kids. You do now with us as you want. And to break that religious um, crust off of us so that God's light can once again shine in us. And so they came to Jesus and and they said, Jesus, why do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? Now that was unheard of in those days. Because again, like Gentiles, you didn't have association with those kind of people. And Jesus said the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. Never forget everyone, we are paramedics here. We're not judges. We're not police. We are paramedics. There's a lot of difference. If there's a wreck out here on the corner... Paramedics come. They don't care who the guilty one was. They don't care which one blew the stop sign. All the paramedics are doing is trying to stabilize everybody and save lives. That's what we are. God is the policeman. Let him deal with that someday. The last thing I ever want to be on this earth is a cop going, you did this, you did this, you did the stop sign. We got to be careful about that. Because it is easy to notice somebody else's running the stop sign when we ourselves run a lot of stop signs. You see, we can run stop signs, or maybe we say, I don't run stop signs like you do. No, my gig is going 70 and a 55. That's my thing. See, our sins may not always be the same. And for some reason, there's some kind of a religiosity spirit that says, well, as long as my sin ain't your sin, I can be a cop and judge you. Rather than be a paramedic and say, how can I help you and restore you? Friends, I remember back in the 60s, late 60s, and the Jesus movement. And I was in high school and, uh, I, I, you know, but the thing is, is that I, I noticed that there was something that was attracting people in the Jesus movement. And what was it? It wasn't being a cop. It was love. And, you know, that's what's lacking today. It lacks in the church. Uh, in fact, sometimes you'll find more love in a bar or a grocery store than you will in church. We don't want to be like that. And God sometimes, and I'll tell you, I'm probably one of the worst. I like my little picket fences all in a rope. And you know what God does? He comes along and goes, and just throws it all up in the air. If you feel discomfort in your life, if you feel that there is something changing in your life, good. That's what happened to this woman at the well. She came to get water and instead, she meets Jesus. Remember, Jesus went to Samaria out of his way. He wanted to go there on purpose. Why? He had the close encounter of a real kind. Just as God has a close encounter with those people that you'll meet this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, and through the rest of your life. Now notice, she says, huh, the well's deep. You have nothing to draw with. By the way, by Jesus saying, give me a drink, what does that imply? I will share my cup with you. Cooties. Well, really, if you think about it, that's what it is. You see, that's what's so unusual. In fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, Jesus is addressing a church and he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I don't know what Jesus was doing on the outside of the church, but he was knocking, trying to get back in. And he said, if anybody will open the door, I will come into him, he with me, and I'll sup with him. That means I'll sit down and have dinner with you. Now, in those days, in that custom, it's a lot different now when everything's sanitary. I've shared this story a lot of times in my life as a minister, but when it happened to me, it was so dynamic. I went to Tonga Island Nation to build a radio station. And when I was there, I'm in the Jeep. It's a, it's a Land Rover with no brakes. You had to use the emergency brake. It's just the way we did. If you ever saw the movie, The Gods Must Be Crazy, it's just the same way. But anyway, we're driving, we're going out there. And he goes, I might tonight. If you get something that looks like an onion ring on your plate, you're the guest of honor. And I said, oh, is it an onion ring? He goes, no, it's the tail of the dog you're eating. And I said, oh no. Um, by the way, when you pray over your food, it isn't, oh Lord, thank you for this food in Jesus' name. You go, oh God, I don't know what this is. Well, I just pray it doesn't kill me when I eat it. And of course, the old missionary prayer, I'll, I'll, I'll eat it up. I'll, I'll swallow it down. I'll, I'll eat it up. You keep it down. Um, but, so we get there. And, and, and it's kind of a smorgasbord kind of thing. There's plates on a, on a, on a stump and, and everything like that. And I go, I'd like to wash my hands. Hey, Mike, there's no water out here. And I, I said, but I want to wash my hands. He goes, none of these people are washing their hands either. And I said, oh no. <laughs> that wasn't the bad part. It's when we came to the mashed potatoes. Here's your banana leaf. They reached in with their hand. Hmm. They reached back. It brought a new level to double dipping. (laughs) And let me tell you, whatever diseases anybody in that group had, you have now been exposed to. Now imagine a a tremendous uh, prejudice against a group of people, and Jesus, being a Jewish person, says to a woman, I'll share the cup that you have that you're drawing water out of. Wow! That's really something, because here's what's amazing about this to me. Jesus' lack of not having a cup, a way to draw it, maybe a rope and a bucket, or whatever it was to pull the water up, did not stop him from ministering to the woman. What he did not have did not stop him from ministering. Oftentimes today, friends, what we'll find is, God, I will minister for you soon as I get a new van. You know, God, I'll do something for you soon as I get that new laptop. Jesus used what he did not have to minister to those who did. Now, friends, this is an important dynamic By the way, also in business, but we're not going to go into that right now. But the point is, Jesus did not let what he did not have stop him from reaching out to a woman who needed to know who God was. So, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, she says. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God. Gift? Did I hear the word gift? Presence? I like presents. Mention that around your kids sometimes. They won't stop bugging you until you give them the present. I think the word present was something that caught her ear. You see, something we all have to remember. Until you come to Christ, there is something lacking in us. And there's always that old tack, you know, the God-shaped void. And we try putting everything we can think of in the world into filling this hole to give us completeness. But what we're looking for is God's divine purpose for our life. We're not a cosmic mistake. Lightning get in a swamp. A bunch of squiggly things happened. They crawled out of the swamp and became truck drivers. We are here directly and divinely by God. You're not a cosmic mistake. So then, because of that, because I'm divinely put here, what is my purpose? You can try every purpose you want. If you're not a Christian here today, try anything you want to try. But I guarantee you, until you come to Christ, you'll find whatever that is, non-satisfying. May satisfy for a week, a month, a year, maybe. But until you come to Christ, you have no eternal purpose. I use the illustration over and over again. I use a lot of my illustrations over again. I have a very limited life. But I, I don't think anything ever hit me as hard as when I was at a yard sale. Anything in the box for a quarter. And here's a trophy. You know, Magic Valley's fastest sprinter. I thought of the shin splints. I thought of the torn ligaments. I thought of all those things. Only to have your trophy sold for a quarter. Is that what you want at the end of your life? Is the trophy of your life in a box at a yard sale for a quarter? Or do you want your life to mean something in eternity? See, that's what God is doing. That's what this book is about. Is it takes our regular life that we see and expands our horizons into eternity, to say what we do today has a direct effect on how we're going to live our life tomorrow and forever. So, verse 12. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us his well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Now, this is kind of weird, because I don't know what happened here, Uh, Are you greater than our father Jacob? I I don't know what caused the woman to react to Jesus this way, to say, Are you greater? Maybe it's because he showed no prejudice towards her. And so by drawing her in and saying, Hey, I'll share your, your drinking cup with you. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him Will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will come in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. In fact, the Bible says, out of your belly shall come rivers of living water. Isn't that great? In other words, there is something in us that generates what we need. You know, there's an old song on the radio. I get by with a little help from my friends. Well, the problem is your friends will let you down. But here's what's great. The Holy Spirit puts his generator in us. I, I like it in the Bible. Jesus said to be filled with the Spirit. And uh, the Bible says, Jesus said, go to the upper room, wait, and the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The word for power there in the Greek is the word for dynamo, not dynamite. It's over. But dynamo, like a generator in your car, keeps bringing the battery back up to the voltage it's supposed to be. It keeps, keeps going. See, out of your, out of your innermost being shall come that dynamic that keeps you going. You ask somebody today, what lights your fire? What keeps you going? What's the purpose of your life? If you don't have that dynamo, that power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're gonna find yourself dry. Thank you for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes Store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash Time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time.